because I've gone through two weeks ago. Um, I know, hard to believe. Um, I was in West Virginia uh, playing around with my team for a couple of weeks, and uh, Robert hopefully is going to be able to get a picture up here because what I wanted to show you is where I got to eat lunch every day. Uh, it's 3,400 feet above the Three Prior Valley, and uh, if it gets up there, which I won't blame Robert for because, well, we all know how technology works on these days. Um, if you can look at this picture and not believe that there is a God in heaven, I'm going to question your mental stability, right? Um, I mean, this, this view is gorgeous, right? You can see for miles, and the trees are changing color, and the sky is just as blue as blue can be, and the clouds are white and fluffy. And every time we take a group up there, they just stand there going, ah, it's breathtaking. And I bring this up because if God is faithful to us in this way, right, we know he wants us to be happy. He wants us to see beautiful things. And he provides it every day to us, right? This is just one of the beautiful views I get to look at. Um, I have my beautiful children, my beautiful grandson, my beautiful wife. You know, everybody has something beautiful to look at, something that reminds them that there is a God in the heavens who loves us. He is faithful to us. So we need to be faithful back to him. And how do we do that, you ask? Well, I'm here to tell you. Ties and offers are just one of the many ways we can be faithful to God. He asks us to do it. It's in the Bible, right? He spells it out for us. See, we don't have to guess at it. He says, do this to me, faithful to me, exclamation point, period, end of sentence, no argument. So we tie to the offer so that we can show that we are faithful to God so we can be faithful to us. Do our tithes and offerings. We have several ways to do it. We have the tithing funnel in the back. We have passioncommunitychurch.com backslash give where you can set up reoccurring offerings. You can do a one time thing. You can earmark it for whatever special project you might like. All we ask that you do is you pray about it and you give faithfully. So let's pray and ask God to bless our tithes and offerings. Father, we thank you once again for the opportunity that you have given us to, to earn a living so that we can be faithful to you and give back to you. Father, we ask that you bless our tithes and offerings. Father, we ask that you multiply them so that we here at Pastor Community Church, no matter what building we're in, can continue to do the work that you have set before us. Father, we ask this all in your son's precious and holy name. Amen. No, I'm back here. Oh, one of those beautiful pictures you get to look at me. Absolutely. Okay, no, I just want to make sure. Duh. <laughs> Everybody, let's turn with me to the book of Nehemiah. We started uh, last week a new series of sermons called Nehemiah, Pray, Plan, and Go. It's a super quiet. Strategy that Nehemiah gives to us. But before we jump in, I want to just uh, say, first of all, thank you to all of those who helped out on Thursday night. Uh, and Thursday during the day, we uh, actually brought Scott Kerr to that. He's uh, 
the head of a ministry called Right for Life Ministry. They did a uh, motorcycle stunt show during the school day assembly here at the school. And then they invited kids to come back to a comeback meeting uh, that evening. And we had roughly about 125, I think we had, uh, that came back to the comeback meeting last, uh, on last Thursday night. And um, we had uh, many people raise their hands to say the sinner's prayer and uh, and joining together. I can't give you an exact number because we didn't get a uh, response card from people and had a little mix-up when it came to that. But uh, it was a wonderful just time. And I wanted to share a story with you because Thursday morning when we got here, uh, Scott was setting up and he looked at me and he goes, there's water. I, I don't know if anyone's ever drove the bus lane here at Bridgetown, but if you drive the bus lane, there's lots of potholes. And, and even, even on the really paved uh, bus lane, there's still potholes with water in them. And uh, Scott looked at me and goes, I can't really do anything on that end of the driveway because there's too much water there. And he says, you know, a motorcycle doing stunt shows on water or wet pavement is not a good thing. And so it was really cloudy out. There was not a, there's no And so I took the leaf blower, and your pastor was out here with a leaf blower blowing all of the puddles away on Thursday morning, trying to get the puddles blown out. And uh, Scott comes over to me and goes, don't worry about it. It's not going to work. And I said, listen, we need to pray. And so we stopped and we prayed. And I kid you not, right in the middle of, as we're praying that God would take care of these puddles, the sun opened up. And I knew the sun was opening up as we were praying. I had my eyes closed. But you know what? I have this temperature gauge that sets on top of my head. And uh, I knew it. And as I'm praying, I'm, I'm just like, I was laughing to myself as I'm praying and thanking God for the goodness to you. I said, do you know that the sun came out and it stayed out until we were done with the, um, the event? And honestly, those puddles uh, dried up. Yeah, dried up. That'd, that'd be correct. Dried up in less than 15 minutes before the event started. So it was a wonderful thing. God just kind of blessed um, us and on that event. And so... Just want to say again, thank you for all of those that joined with us and helped us. Um, we had a great time and, and met a lot of good people, and the Lord's uh, gospel message was given out, and uh, many people heard that message, and that's what we rejoice in. So, All right, last week, we, as I said, we began this new series, but I want to ask you a question before we jump in today. Have you ever taken a step back and said, Man, God's hand was really upon me when I did this. Whatever that event is, sometimes we go into these really difficult situations and we, we build up in our head like Corey did this morning about coming to church and have all these things going on and, and, and then all of a sudden you can take a step back and say, man, God was really there. I was thinking about this uh, as I was preparing the sermon, but also just a, a, a reality of the event that happened on Thursday was that my day was really busy because I not only have to be the entertainer, but I also was the person that uh, I brought the group in. So I'm, I'm organizing the group, talking with the principals, talking with the school, making sure everything is working out. It's just a really busy day. And I'm sitting back there, but Thursday evening as I'm driving home, I sat back and thought, man, God's hand was on this whole entire event whether it was from the sunshine coming through the clouds and drying the pavement or through the people that showed up uh, to help feed pizza and all of those that were here to help the event, uh, to those that actually heard the message and uh, made decisions to follow the Lord. It was just an amazing event. 
Now, I was worried about that coming into that day because it was a busy day. It was going to be busy, but I could see God's favor on the whole event. There's times in our lives when we're facing this insurmountable odds. We're facing these things, these mountains in our life, and we're, we're thinking, how is this going to work? How, how are we going to overcome these issues in our life? How are we going to overcome what I feel the Lord is calling me to do, but how am I going to overcome and get everything done that I need to do? And somehow, in God's economy, still don't understand how, but somehow in God's economy, when we're doing something for him, time gets doubled. You ever notice that? You ever notice that you have this whole list of things to do, but if you're focused on what the Lord has to do, that sometimes that time seems to just double? Now, do 24 hours become 48 hours? I don't know. I mean, it's happened in Scripture before where God paused the sun in the middle of the sky and lengthened the day. But I think more or less what happens is that God's hand of favor falls upon us and we're able to supersede and do things in a way that we never were able to do before because God's hand is upon us in what we're doing. I bring up all of these questions because this is exactly what's happening to Nehemiah. Nehemiah is having this conversation and with himself and he's praying. He's just heard, as we talked about last week, he's just heard from the people who are returning from Jerusalem that the walls of the city were completely tore down, the gates were open, and that there was no protection for the city at all. Nehemiah is upset and he begins to pray to the Lord asking the Lord to help him. But Nehemiah, if you remember, is in a position of power. He serves as the cupbearer to the king, which means that he is the one who tastes all of the drink and the food before the king gets to experience those things on his own. And so, as if someone poisoned, Nehemiah would be the one that would die first instead of the king, and then the king would know not to eat or drink what Nehemiah just ate or drank. But Nehemiah is in this place of favor, if you will, with the king. He has built a relationship with the king. He's built a relationship and he's showed up to work every single day to do what he's called to do, yet we find him in a very unique place. A place that we're going to hear about today. A place that only Nehemiah, through the favor and the hand of God upon him, could overcome the obstacles that were placed before him. So before we go any further, let's pause and ask the Lord to be with us and then we'll jump in. Father, we thank you for this day. We glorify you, we honor you, we praise you for all that you have done for us and all that you continue to do. Lord, you are the greatest and almighty God. You are the King of kings, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. You are all of these things to us, and we don't deserve the grace and the favor that you give to us, but you freely give it to us anyway, and we thank you for that today, Father. And so, Lord, we ask you today, help us to see the hand of God, the favor of God upon our lives in the situations and the events that we're going through in our lives, Father. Some of us in this room, maybe all of us in this room, are facing insurmountable odds, difficulties in our lives. We're going through struggles. We're going through things that we need your hand upon, Father. And Nehemiah, I believe, gives an amazing strategy, steps of how to walk in the favor of God. And so, Lord, we ask you that you help us to see that today. Help us to understand these things and what you would say to us. Lord, we love you. Lord, we glorify you. We honor you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 2. Now, I've been practicing this all week long, and I'm probably going to blow this, but that's okay. 
In the month of Nisan, Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, there we go, when wine was before him, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now, I had not been sad in his presence. Now, let's just pause there for a moment. If you remember that Nehemiah is a cupbearer, and so he's bringing wine to the king. He's bringing a drink to the king. And so as he's coming to the king, he has already taken up the the wine. He has not died, and so therefore the king can drink the wine. And so he's bringing this drink to the king. But Nehemiah says something very interesting. He says, I had not been sad in his presence. And then verse, uh, verse 2 says, And the king said to me, Why is your face sad, seeing you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. Then I was very much afraid. Let's I explain just a moment for you here so you understand. Being sad in front of the king was in essence telling the king that you weren't grateful for what he has and what he has given to you and the position that you have. And so for Nehemiah to come before the king in sadness, this was a recipe for him not only to be let go from his position, but also killed. You did not dare come before the king with any amount of sadness on your face because it showed that you did not care and you were not grateful for what he had brought to you or what he has given you in the position that you are in. And so Nehemiah showing that he is sad is taking a risk here. Nehemiah was a blessed person. He was a happy person, and he had to be because he served the king. And so his job was not to bring the king down with sadness, but his job was to do his job that he was called to do and come before the king at that time. But the king notices and says, Why is your face sad, seeing you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. Then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should, not, why should not my face be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king said to me, what are you requesting? So I prayed to, God, to the God of heaven. Nehemiah used... And knew that his position that he was in was before the king. The sadness on his face and the sadness in his heart was because of what was going on in his city. And he's looking at this story. He's looking at this opportunity and he's going before the king. But as he's going before the king, he is sad in his heart because of what is going on. He has seen the downfall of his city. He has seen that the gates and the place where his forefathers are buried is in danger. And this has made Nehemiah very sad. Nehemiah is doing his job and trying to overcome the sadness that he is having, but he still does his job. There's something to be said about doing your job even when you're sad. There's something to be said about coming to church, Corey, on Sunday morning even when you don't want to. Sorry, Corey. <laughs> Not to call you out there, but that's the truth, right? Listen, every Sunday morning, or every morning that you have to get up, how many times do you get up during the week and you're like, oh, I do not want to get out of this bed, get in the car, and drive to work today? I think if I asked you all, you would all shake your head yes. Now, some of you are, uh, Doreen, are lucky to work from home, right? <laughs> and we just roll out of bed and we get in front of the computer and we're okay. But listen, most of us, Dread that. There's something about that, about that, but we still get up and do it. Why? 
Because God calls us to move even when we don't feel like it. God calls you to go to work when you don't feel like it. Why do we go to work when we don't feel like it? Well, we have bills to pay, Pastor. That's really simple to say. If you don't go to work, you don't get paid. If you don't get paid, then you don't do your job. And if you don't do your job and you don't get paid, then you can't pay your bills. And pretty much you'll find yourself on the side of the street soon, right? But there's something about Nehemiah that he's doing his job even in the midst of the sadness. There's something about us that we can learn from Nehemiah to press forward even when we don't feel like pressing forward. Even when we don't feel like going to the next step, we need to continue going on. And there's something about that. God honors us and he honors Nehemiah when we continue to press on even in the, ter- even in the midst of sadness. Even in the midst of difficulty when we press on and move on and we can overcome these feelings, God will use those times. See, God will use everything you have, even your emotions. The story of Nehemiah is an amazing story of how God will work through what we have if we only pray and align ourselves and give to him with what we have. If we would only go before the Lord and say, Lord, this is what I have, it's not a lot, but I give it to you. I hand it over to you. My skill sets, my time, my energy, my my income, whatever I have, I pass it over to you. It's not much, but I give it to you because I want to honor you. Nehemiah is doing that in the midst of all of these things. This is a wonderful story, not of just a story of rebuilding the city or rebuilding the walls. It's a story of Nehemiah rebuilding his faith and his and his uh, his comfort. Not, not comfort. His his. Um, security, his, his, his life in Christ, he's rebuilding all of this and giving it to him. Many times in life we think, how can I achieve what God has placed on my heart before me? We too often are defeated before we even begin the steps. How many times in our head have we Told ourselves, oh, I'm gonna not, I'm not going to be successful in this. I'm not going to be able to overcome this. I'm not gonna be able to do this. I'm not gonna be able to do that. We have already defeated ourselves in our mind before we even begin. Nehemiah, in some ways, shows us that if we put our heads and our heart and we align them with God and we pray, that He will come through those prayers even when we don't feel like it. Sometimes we pray for God to remove a situation from our life, when in reality we should pray to God to ask him to use the situation that our life is in. Because sometimes we sit here and we think, if Nehemiah, just think about this for a moment, if Nehemiah would have said, Lord, please remove the sadness of my heart, please remove the sadness from my face, I don't want to go into the king, I don't want to have these conversations with him, I don't want to do these things because I need to be happy, I need to put on that fake face, I need to come into church even though I've been fighting with my husband or my wife all day long and we get into church, how's it going? Oh, we're blessed, it's just a blessed Sunday, isn't it? We need to put all that aside and be real and come in and and give it to the Lord and say, Lord, this is where I'm at. I'm here even though I don't feel like it. I'm here even though I don't think I can achieve what you have asked me to do, but I'm here. And I'm praying that you use the situation that I'm in. See, too often we pray to ask God to remove us from that situation because we think it's going to be a blessing when the real blessing is when God leaves us in that situation and helps us through it. God never promised to remove you from difficult situations in your life. 
He only promised that he would walk with you through those difficult situations. And we often ask the Lord, please, Lord, don't make me go through this. Don't make me do this. Don't I, remove all of these problems from my life. Instead of just pausing and saying, Lord, instead of removing me from these situations, help me to learn to deal with the situations where I'm at so that your blessing can be found in the situation of where I am at. I think what we do is we limit God. Let me rephrase that. I limit God. We all limit God. When we ask God to remove us from a difficult situation and make everything better, what we really do is limit God by allowing him to work in the situation in our lives. Maybe the Lord has placed you there for a reason. Maybe he has placed those people in your life for a reason. Maybe he's placed those difficult times in your life for a reason. And instead of asking the Lord to remove them, instead ask the Lord to work through those things with you. Maybe you're in that situation or that place in your life because he wants you to achieve his will in that place. I often think of D.L. Moody and I think of his life and how he was, he was an uneducated man who was not really that great of a speaker to begin with. He had a Sunday school class. That's how his life started. D.L. Moody, the man who saw hundreds of thousands of people come to Christ, started his job on just being a Sunday school teacher. And there's actually a story where we hear where D.L. Moody says, one day I went into the church and I said, I'm done. I'm not doing the Sunday school class anymore because I'm tired of people not coming to class. I'm tired of people not coming and being part of the class. Now just think if D.L. Moody would at that point said, okay, I'm done. God, remove me from this situation. Place me somewhere else. Allow me to be successful in whatever it was. See, the problem of it is God did not remove D.L. Moody from that place. He left him there. Why? Because D.L. Moody had to learn to become a better orator so that when he came and spoke, hundreds of thousands of people in the future would learn to follow Christ because of what he said. Nehemiah did not pray to have his sadness removed from his face. He went into the king, did his job, and asked for the favor of God to be upon him. Nehemiah did something else that's very interesting. He said he prayed before he answered. The king asked Nehemiah, what are you requesting? If we go back to verse 4, then the king said to me, what are you requesting? So Nehemiah didn't just start to blabber everything. Nehemiah could have said, well, what I really am requesting is that the city walls are rebuilt and all of these things, and, da, 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 and I need millions of dollars, and will you send me there with all of the wood and all of the dollars and everything that I need to do that? But Nehemiah didn't do that. He paused. Oftentimes, uh, uh, friends of mine will call me... Uh, they, they, they'll call me and ask me a question and, and ask me, do you want to do this? And I'll, I said, well, you know, just, I'll get back to you. Well, why do you need to get back to me? Just say yes or no, because I need to pray about it. Oh, you're just procrastinating. No, I'm not procrastinating. I'm asking the Lord his favor. I'm asking the Lord his direction in the will. Now, sometimes, obviously, we're in situations we have to respond immediately. But most of the time, what we need to do is we need to position ourselves when we are given the opportunity, 
when we are given the favor, like Nehemiah was given, then we have to position ourselves and we have to begin to pray and ask the Lord for his direction and his will and where he wants us to go in this situation. And so Nehemiah says, so I prayed to the God of heaven. Nehemiah is saying that we need to pray before we answer. Here is the opportunity for Nehemiah to ask what he needs. I'm sure Nehemiah has been thinking about this for a while. I'm sure Nehemiah could have just blabbered out whatever he needed. Nehemiah was thinking about this. Nehemiah was thinking, how do I rebuild the walls? How is this going to happen? What do I need? I'm sure Nehemiah was going over this and over and over and over again in his head. But before he spilled out everything that's in his head, he paused and he prayed. God wants to work in grand ways in our lives. But too often, we are short-sighted in what we ask for. Too often, we short-side God, we put him in a box because instead of praying and having the Lord open our eyes to see what's available, we begin to ask what we think is available. We begin to put God and say, Lord, I want you to work in this little area of my life when the, when the Lord says, I want to work in this area of your life. I don't want to just give you a little bit. I want to give you a lot. I don't want to just give you what you need. I want to give you a blessing upon a blessing. And if Nehemiah wouldn't have paused and asked for that prayer, maybe Nehemiah would have asked that the king send him some, send the king, king, send someone to rebuild the walls. Send someone, send the money, send the wood, send those things there. See, I believe God wants to work again in grand ways in our life, but I believe more often than not we limit him. Because we don't pray. We don't ask the Lord to open our eyes to see what is possible. And so we pray out of the possibilities that we can see in our own mind when the Lord wants to have his thinking, his favor, and see things in a grand way that he sees them. Just like asking this question, right? When you ask the question, I want to see people come to know the Lord. I want to see people come to know Christ. I want to, I, you know, I have people in my life that I'm praying for specifically, and all of you should be as well, too. We should be praying that these people come to know the Lord. We should be praying that they come to know Jesus, and we should be doing those things. And we often pray for those individual people, and that's good. We need to do that. But you know what else we need to be doing? We need to be thinking larger. It's not just one person that needs to come to the Lord. We have whole communities that need to come to the Lord. It's not just one little area. It's not just one little family. It's the whole community that needs to come to the Lord. See, Nehemiah, the story of Nehemiah, honestly, isn't just about rebuilding the walls. It's about rebuilding the whole entire city. And that's what happens. We'll get to that later on. But the building, the, the building of the walls was only the step that was happening later on in Nehemiah. What we find is that not only do the walls get rebuilt, but the city, the people itself, get rebuilt also. And so we need to learn to pray, to be grand in our, in our requests, to ask the Lord for large things. God has really been challenging me to not just pray for certain people, for certain things, but to pray for citywide things, 
Just think about it. If we all joined together in locked hands in our faith and our understanding that God would change the communities that we live in, not just our neighbors, not just our family members, which we need to be praying for that as well, but change the whole entire community. What would Ridgetown look like? What would Edinburgh look like? What would Ravenna look like? What would Kent look like? What would Brimfield look like if the whole entire community was turned upside down for the Lord? That's grand thinking that the Lord wants us to be in and part of. He wants us to be asking these things because the Lord doesn't want to work in our little boxes. The Lord wants to work in grand ways. Prayer opens our minds to what is available through God by connecting our hearts with his, connecting our minds with him, and we can begin to see the way that, see things the way that he sees them. Verse 5 says, And I said to the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. And the king said to me, the queen sitting beside him, How long will you be gone, and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me when I had given him a time. And I said to the king, uh, I'm repeating, sorry, verse 7, verse 8. No, I'm sorry. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to the governors of the province beyond the river that may let me pass through until I come to Judah. And the letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress of the temple and for the wall and for the city and for the house that I shall occupy. And the king granted me what I asked for the good hand of my God was upon me. If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, to the city of my fathers. What Nehemiah is asking here for is he's asking for an extended period of time away from the king. Now again, this is a, this is a big issue because you don't just go find someone that you trust as much as the king trusts Nehemiah as you would in someone else. There isn't... There isn't a lot of assistant cupbearers to the king in the kingdom. This person has to be vetted out. This person has to be very trustworthy. This person has to be a person that the king trusts and likes because he's going to be spending a lot of time with him. Just think about it. Every time you ate something, if I pulled out of my pocket and I had a piece of gum before I could chew this piece of gum, the cupbearer would have to chew that piece of gum. Before I took a drink of water, the cupbearer would have to drink that water. This is someone that you're going to be spending a lot of time with. So this is not just anybody. So the very fact that he is asking the king that he can go is a big ass. A-S-K, just in case you're wondering. I didn't say the other one. I said ask. So I'll make sure I pronounce that well for anyone that's watching online. And the king said to me, the queen sitting beside him, I always wondered, why, why did the writer of Nehemiah have to include this part? The queen sitting next to me. Great. So the queen was sitting next to the king when he said this. Well, I did some research on this. And I found out that this was important because any edict that was given to the king with the queen sitting next to him lasts longer than just the king would last. In this time, kings didn't last a long time. 
They last 10, 15, 20 years, and then they're gone. Queens would last a longer period of time than the kings would. And so, therefore, with the queen sitting next to him, the edict would outlast the king. Interesting. Just a side note. I'll throw that one in for free. Um, so how long shall you be gone, and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me and I, when I had given him a time. But Nehemiah doesn't stop there. Do you understand this? Nehemiah continues to ask. And he says, And I said to the king, If it pleases the king, let letters be given to the governors of the province beyond the river that may let me pass through until I come to Judah. So Nehemiah is not only asking for him to go so he can rebuild it, but now he's asking, please write letters to the, to the governors, to the people that I'm going to land and I'm going to be passed through, and say, let me go. Let me come through safely. See, on his own, these governors did not have to let Nehemiah pass through safely. But with the king's letter, with the king's seal, and that letter to these governors, the governors were bound by the king to let him through safely. Nehemiah goes on to then continue to ask the king for even more in a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that, may, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress of the temple and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall occupy. And the king granted what I asked for. See, there's something about the favor of God. The favor of God is when Someone in a position of power gives you favor when you don't necessarily deserve it. The favor of God is upon us when we go before our bosses and we ask our boss for something and they say yes. The favor of God falls upon us when we go before governmental officials and we ask them for something. The favor of God is upon you when you go before something. See, there's something about the favor of God that falls on people that allows us to do what he's calling us to do. It's very hard for us to achieve anything in our life without the favor of God resting upon us. The favor of God takes what we normally have, the, the, the skill sets that we offer, and he enhances it. I tell you, I've seen this in operation more times than not. It's amazing. You know, I have the opportunity, not only here at Richstown Schools, but also in all schools across Northeast Ohio, to walk in and have meetings with superintendents and ask them about bringing a daytime assembly to their school. And they usually are like, yeah, sure, great, bring a daytime assembly, as long as it's, as long as it's a positive life choice message, meaning it has to be faith neutral because it's during the school day. But then I bring up to them and say, well, we'd like to have a comeback meeting in the evening. And I've been in more than one, I can tell you on, on, off the top of my head, five to ten schools that I have been in where someone told me you'll never be able to have a faith event at that school in the evening because the superintendent and the school board and the community won't allow it. And I walk in, I say, we're going to bring you a daytime assembly for free. It's not going to cost you a dime. It's going to be a great message. It's a vetted speaker. They're going to do a wonderful job. The only thing we want to do is invite the kids to come back in the evening so that they can hear a message of faith. You know the answer is never yet been told no. Never at this point. You can ask Christy, she's an administrator, how hard it is to do a faith event at a school. It's very difficult to do because the schools don't want to associate themselves with faith because they can't. During the school day, you cannot associate yourself. The favor of God is that he goes into these schools, he goes into these superintendents, he goes into these principals, and he does something in their heart to allow us to be there. I can't understand it. Now, 
it takes a lot of work. See, the favor of God doesn't just say, I'm going to sit here on the stump and just wait for God to move because the favor of God is on me. So I'm not going to do anything. The favor of God was on Nehemiah because he was a good worker. He was a good cupbearer. The favor of God was on Nehemiah because he was willing to go. See, the favor of God falls upon those who are willing to take the step to do the actual action that needs to see the faith moved in our lives and in the area that we live in. The favor of God doesn't just fall on someone who does nothing. You can sit there and say, well, I've never had the favor of God. Then I can actually ask you, are you out really testing the waters? Are you out there really trying to achieve something that God has asked you? Are you doing the will of God? When you align yourself with God, when you put yourself in that place, God will open up the doors by allowing the favor of God to fall upon his life. But you have to be in motion. You have to be... My father used to say, if you feel froggy, jump, right? As a young man, I would I'd tell my dad all the time, I bet I could beat you in arm wrestling. I bet I could beat you in wrestling. I bet I could do this. I bet I could do all of those things. And he would look at me and go, yeah, right. If you feel froggy, go ahead and jump. In other words, go ahead and try. See, the truth of the matter is, is that too often we don't see the favor of God move in our life because we're too afraid to actually move to allow the favor of God to move on our life. We don't put ourselves in a situation where we need the favor of God to fall upon ourselves so that we can see him move. It's not until you place yourself in those positions where it's only God or nothing else that the favor of God is not going to fall upon you. If you could achieve it on your own, then it's not the favor of God. The favor of God is when it's above and beyond what you can achieve, and it's blessings that come from him that we don't deserve, but he gives to us anyway, and we move forward in those ways. But you've got to position yourself in that place. Nehemiah did. This was no small ask. Nehemiah could have just easily asked for the time away and been pleased with that. He would have been lucky to get the time away. But instead of just receiving the time away, Nehemiah not only asked for the time away, but he asked for letters to pass through the provinces. He asked for the timber. He asked for all of the things that he has. And the favor of God was upon him. See, the question I actually have for you today is are you praying and dreaming bigger than you even think has ever been possible in your life? See, Nehemiah could have just been happy with going, but he dreamed even bigger. He didn't stop with just going to rebuild the city walls. He asked the king for timber. He asked the king for safe passage. He asked the king for all of these things because he had a bigger dream. His bigger dream and vision was not for him just to go to the city, but it was for him to have the supplies. If he wouldn't have been given the timber and he wouldn't have been given all the supplies to rebuild the wall, guess what? Nehemiah would have had to gone there and said, okay, it's time to do a, a building campaign. Let's start funding the money. Come on. Where's it coming from? Let's go down and cut down the trees. No, Nehemiah went before the king and said, I'm going to, I have favor. God has placed me in this position. I don't know why. See, all of us in this room have been placed in a position of a blessing on purpose. God has placed you in your job for a purpose. God has placed you in the community that you're at for a purpose. God has placed you in your family for a purpose. All of those things can come together and you can see the favor of God move if you're only willing to align yourself with God and dream bigger than the dreams that you think you can have. God wants to do bigger things than you think is possible. God will use your current environment to be a blessing. Do you understand that? God will use exactly where you're at. I 
I, I don't think we fully understand sometimes about God placing us in the current place. Instead of us always asking the Lord to remove us from the current place, we have to ask the Lord, allow us to receive the blessings of the place that we're at today. I say this all the time to young men and women who come up and say, I want to go into ministry full time. And the very first thing I tell them is, don't do it. Not that I don't think they should. But you can make a big difference in the kingdom of God with where you're at right now in your job. Wherever you're at, you work on an assembly line, go and share Christ with the people that, are, that you're working on an assembly line. You're a school teacher, share love with the people that are around you, or share love with the students, and let them ask you, what's so different about you? Why are you a different teacher? Why are you a different principal? Why are you a different car salesman? Because, you know, we all love car salesmen, Casey. But when you treat people right, and they begin to say, well, why are you treating me right? You don't have to. You're a car salesman, right, Casey? I mean, no, (laughs) I'm kidding, Casey. I'm calling you out here a little bit, but I'm kidding. But it's the truth, right? A lawyer who treats people right. (laughs) I'll get off Casey and say lawyer. How's that, Casey? Okay. No matter what position you're in, no matter what place you call your work, God has placed you there for a purpose, for you to share the gospel of Christ with those around you. And that's when we begin to think dream and big dream and pray big. When we begin to pray to ask, Lord, can everyone in my department, Lord, come to know you? Can everyone in this company come to know you? May we as a company become a company that will serve the purposes of God. Lord, I'm asking you for this. To pray and dream big, to ask these things, to use the environment in which you're at to see God exalted. See, I think we stop short by asking for the moon when we can achieve the stars. I know there's a famous saying out there, well, if you, if you reach for the stars and you fall short and you're on the moon, then that's great. Yeah, well, what if I wanted the stars? <laughs> I understand the purpose of the saying. The saying is a good saying. I get that. I'm not coming against that. But what I'm saying is sometimes we shouldn't just go ahead into this prayer. We shouldn't go ahead into any idea or anything that we're doing by asking the Lord for us to fall short. And if we land on the moon, it's okay. No, the Lord wants to do grand things in our life, and so we need to ask for those grand things. We need to seek for those things. (laughs) Truth is, I have defeated myself in many times before even beginning to pray or even beginning to believe. I've done there. I've been there. I can tell you, (laughs) in all honesty. I laugh because there's many times in my business career that I started and would start something and I would, my boss would come and said, well, will you set a budget, a sales budget with what you think you're going to get? And I said, sure. So I'd give him a sales budget that was way below, not on purpose. This is what I thought we'd achieve. Well, for the first three or four years, we were coming in and we were overseeding our budget by hundreds of percents. I'm not talking about like just 10%, 20%. I'm talking about 150 160%. And my boss started coming back and go, Jason, I think you're falling a little short on your expectations here. I'm going to ask you to bump it up a little bit. In my life, 
I've asked for many things from the Lord, but sometimes I feel like I've fallen short because the Lord wants to give us favor. He wants to give us more than those things. Too many times I have defeated myself even before I begin to pray because I fell short of what God really wanted me to ask for. Too often I've looked at my situation, my location, and instead of seeing how God can use the situation I am in, I have instead discounted and complained about the place I was in. You may not be Nehemiah and you may not be placed before the king, but some of you are placed in a position on purpose. The king may not be your boss, but it may be someone else who God wants to use your favor that you have with that person to bless and to move the kingdom of God further. Further. Forward. We have to understand that that position and place that we're in is the place that God placed us. And so we need to look at that and say, Lord, I know I'm here for a reason. I don't want to stay here. I don't want to always remain here. But Lord, why I'm here, may I seek your blessing in the very place where I'm at, in the very step, may I see the favor of God, the hand of God upon me so that I can move forward. And I believe God will do that for us. But we only have to ask This portion of scripture ends by Nehemiah saying, And the king granted me what I asked for. The good hand of my God was upon me. Do you know that Nehemiah was not just given all of the things that he asked for? We would... Later on in the scripture, as you read through, you'll find out that Nehemiah was not only blessed with the time away, he was not only blessed with the timber and the letters of go through the province, but the king actually sent with Nehemiah an army to go with him, sent him soldiers to go with him. Nehemiah was blessed beyond all that he could ever have. Nehemiah was given more than what he asked for, and the king gave him all of these things. The king granted him all of these things. See, I believe when we align ourselves with God, we do the work that he has called us to do, regardless of how we feel, and we press on, and then we pray to ask the Lord for the things that he has given to us, he won't only bless us with the things that we're asking for, but he's going to bless us beyond. God is a God that blesses beyond our ever, whatever we could think of. Whatever we could dream of, God can bless us beyond those things. God doesn't want to just give you a tic-tac when you need a meal. God doesn't want to just give you a penny when you need $100. God blesses us. All we have to do is align ourselves with him, and the favor of God will be upon us wherever we go. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. The truth of the matter is, is that I think too often we fall short in all of these areas. We fall short of the favor of God. We fall short of praying and asking God for big things because we limit ourselves. We begin to think about how do I achieve the things that I need to achieve in my own power. We begin to think about how do I achieve these things with what I can do. God didn't ask us to achieve what we can do. He asked us to achieve what he can do, and he's going to use us to do those things. 
We need to stop limiting ourselves and stop asking ourselves, what can I do? No, it's not what I can do. It's what can God do through us? What is God available and able to do? Will you allow God to move through your life in a way that he has never moved through your life by in, in different places, in different ways? The favor of God is upon every single one of us that aligns our life with God, that aligns ourselves with him. God wants you to receive that favor. He wants you to be blessed with that favor. He wants you to walk forward in that favor. And he wants you to achieve grand things. But until you accept the place that he has given to you in that moment in time, and you remove the limits from you, then you may not see the favor of God fall upon you. By giving yourself over to the Lord and saying, God, it's not what I think I can achieve. I want to remove all of these things, all of this false thinking from my head because we just naturally limit ourselves. Listen, I'm 40. How old am I? 48, that's right. I'm 48 years old. I forgot, sorry. And there's times I go out to work and I realize I'm not the same person that I used to be 10, 15, 20 years ago. But you know what? If I go out there with that mindset that I'm not going to be able to achieve something, I'm not going to be able to do what I can do, then I'm probably not going to achieve that event. I'm not going to achieve that task. It's the same way. See, too often we go before the Lord and say, Lord, I've only been a Christian for a few years. Will you help me? God wants to help those who have only been a Christian one day, one hour, one second. Sometimes we go and say, Lord, I've been pounding on this wall all my life and it hasn't changed. Why? Why can't I see breakthrough in this area that I'm at? Quite possibly it's because we've limited ourselves. See, I believe that God doesn't just want to give us a building. I believe that he wants to change a whole entire city. I believe whatever God's going to do with us here at Passion Community Church, whatever he's going to do with the kingdom of God, doesn't start with just one small little building. I believe it has something to do with the larger vision of what God wants to do. And we just have to ask to be part of that. I believe, personally speaking, even if you take out the church, personally myself, I believe the Lord wants me to do more than just pray for one person to become saved. I believe he wants to see whole communities come to know the Lord. I believe he wants to overcome the addiction of alcohol. I believe he wants to overcome the addiction of prescription drugs and drugs and all of those other things in our life. And I believe and I trust that God is using us to do those things. But we have to stop limiting ourselves and saying it's just going to be one or two people. We have to ask God for the grand vision that he has because God can see the beginning and the end. I prayed on purpose when we began to say Alpha and Omega. Why? Because God sees the beginning and he sees the end. We see just this narrow-minded things right here. But God sees everything. We need to pray and we need to seek We need to ask him for limiting. We need to ask him for forgiveness for just having short-minded, small prayers and start asking the Lord for big, grand things. Yes, we need to pray for our daily bread. And yes, we need our daily bread. We need to get through life. I understand that. But we also need to pray for God's vision to be grander than what we ever could think of because his vision is much larger than ours. Will you stand with me, please?
Today, what I want to encourage you is much like what Nehemiah did. Stop thinking small-minded things. Small-minded thinking gets us small-minded results. Start thinking about the grand things that God wants to do in our lives. What he wants to do in your life. What he wants to do in my life. What he wants to do in all of our lives. God wants to move through us. And he's going to grant you the favor of his hand to rest upon you if you only challenge yourself to get out of the way and to get out of those small-minded steps and start taking big steps for him. So what is it that the Lord wants to do in you? I can't tell you. You You have to come up with that yourself. I know what the Lord wants to do in me and I'm praying and I'm working and I'm asking the Lord to expand, if you will, grow my tent stakes, if you will. But the Lord has to renew your mind. And what we need to do is we first need to approach him and say, Lord, forgive me for the small-minded thinking. Forgive me for just asking for time off. What you really want to do is not only grant me the time off, but you want to send an army with me. You want to send money with me. You want to send uh, uh, letters of, of passage with me. You want to make the way smooth for me so that I can travel through. Those are the things that the Lord wants to do. May I challenge you today not to leave here thinking the same way that you may have walked in this door. Stop thinking small-minded things and start thinking God-sized things. Stop limiting what God can do in your life and start looking for what God really wants to do in those grand things. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for what you are doing. And we ask you, Lord, today, first of all, we first and foremost want to come before you. We just want to say, Lord, forgive us for small-minded thinking. Forgive us for thinking about what we can achieve with what we have, with where we're at. And, And Lord, I know that sometimes we just have to do with what we have, with where we're at. But Lord, I believe you want to do way more than what we have applied our hands and feet to. I believe that you want to bless us with the favor of God and you have a dream and a vision and a strategy that's way bigger than what we could ever grasp or hang on to. Father, I believe that you're calling us to believe upon things that are totally unattainable because when we reach for those things that are unattainable, we have to reach for you because only you can obtain those things. And so, Father, in every single person that's here in this building, every single person that's watching online right now, I just pray that the Holy Spirit would move through their minds right now and that you would begin giving them dreams and visions and things that are much larger than what they can obtain on their own, that they, that they can't, and the resources and the time and the place and the, and the location that they're at in their life right now, achieve those things. Lord, bless them with these visions. Bless them with these ideas. Bless them with these things, Father. Not so that we can be exalted, so that we can receive the gratitude, the honor, the glory. No, Lord, so that you, your kingdom can grow and that you can achieve all of those things and that we can see grand things happen in your name in this place. Lord, help us to grasp a hold of things that are beyond us. Help us to reach out for the favor of God and to see it grow in our lives. Place us in those positions when we have nowhere else to look but look up to you and say, Lord, if this is going to happen, it's going to happen through you. Father, be with us. Help us today. Help us to have that thinking. 
Help us to see the situations that we're at and the lives that we live right now, that these are places that you have, you have positioned us in those, in those places. You have positioned us in those homes. You have positioned us in our neighborhoods. You have positioned us in our jobs, not so that we can just be happy, but so that we can see the kingdom of God grow. Help us to use the situations we're at to receive the blessings that you have for us so that we can move forward in a larger, grand way that you are calling us to do. Lord, we love you. Lord, I pray right now in this place that you would remove the thinking that I can't and replace it with, I can through you. To remove the doubts from our minds that say, we'll never do this or we'll never do that and replace them with, I will through, the Lord, through my Lord Jesus Christ do these things. I will see them achieved. I will see healings. I will see blessings that flow. I will see favor of God that falls upon my life. I will see all of these things because we are aligning ourselves with you, Father. And so we ask you right now in this place, right now in our hearts, that you move us into those blessings, that you move us into those places so that we can walk forward with you and see your kingdom of God grow like it's never grown before. Lord, we love you. Serve this and so much more. Lead us and guide us. Father, I want to pray if there's anyone here before that's never given their life to you before, that's never known this kind of grandiose love, this kind of love that comes only from you, that forgives us of all of our sins, that walks us through. Lord, I pray today, whether they're here in this building or watching online, that they would come to know you in a personal way, that they would say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. You are my king. You are my savior. I accept what you did on the cross for me. And I come into your house and your eternity because I confess with my mouth that I'm a sinner and I believe in my heart that I've been saved. We also pray, Father, for those that are here today that are having trouble moving beyond what is possible, what they think they can achieve, to see the impossible that you can do, Father. Work in our lives. Move us into those places.
what's true, what the Lord says. And the Lord believes that you and I can achieve way more than I think we ever think in our mind is possible. I think sometimes we get caught up with saying, I'm just from the country. I'm just from Ritztown. I'm just from Ravenna. I just graduated from Ritztown. I just graduated. joke all the time on Sunday mornings we're preparing. I, I went to Southeast. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, is that the Lord sees us more than that. He sees us more than where we're from or where we graduated from or those things. The world judges you by where you're from and where you graduate from and your GPAs and all of those things. But the Lord does not. The Lord judges you by your heart. Where's your heart? Do you believe that he is Lord? Do you believe that he's the Savior? Do you believe that through him all things are possible? That's what scripture promises us. We really believe that and we really give him our hearts that we can see way more achieved than what we ever have achieved before. The Lord is the Lord. He believes way more about us than I think we ever believe about ourselves. He loves you so much so that he died on the cross for you, that he was willing to climb onto that cross, allow his hands and his feet to be nailed to that cross, and for him to die taking his last breath knowing that he was doing that for you and I. Because he believes and loves you that much. Oh, if we could just have the vision of ourselves and the other people that the vision of God has for us. Lord, I thank you for this day. I again ask you as we prepare to leave this place and go out upon our, upon our own business, Father, whatever we have to achieve today, that we can see your plan that we can see you not limited to the box that we think we're in or the box that we put you in, but instead in the way that you see what is possible. Lord, it says in Scripture that if we just have a mustard seed of faith, that mountains can move. Lord, when we look at a mountain, we look at it and we say, man, I don't know how that mountain's going to move. But when you look at it, all you say is that if we just have a mustard seed of faith, that that mountain will move. And so, Father, I pray today that you bless us all in this room with just a mustard seed of faith, enough to be able to see mountains move. Whatever that mountain is in our lives, Father, whatever we're going through, may we see that mountain move because we have that faith that you have granted to us and we see you in the way that you deserve to be seated. We align ourselves with you. Help us today, Father, as we leave this place to glorify you, to honor you, to praise you, and to see your kingdom grow. Be with each and every one of us as we leave this place. And help us to serve you. We glorify you, we honor you, and we praise you now. We pray for your favor that would fall upon us as we leave this place. In Jesus' name we ask these things and so much more. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.